This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Welcome to The Cheap Seats. This is the show where we get you front row seats for the best LGBTIQ spoken word events from Melbourne and from around the world. I'm Dean and it's great to have your company. Tonight, we're in The Cheap Seats for a night of queer poetry. The poetry is brought to us by Button Poetry in the United States. Tonight, we are featuring poetry written and performed by lesbian and bisexual women by a couple of poets who prefer to identify themselves using the non-gender pronoun they and by a transgendered man. The poets explore autobiographical themes of love and attraction and stories of misgendering and of body dysmorphia. The poems include light and shade with some laughs and some strong language and adult themes. Um, Also, some dark moments. So just a trigger warning, uh, this content may not be for everyone. But now to the poetry. First up, we hear from poet Teresa Davis with her work titled Like Like. So let's grab our snacks from the candy bar, turn our mobile phones to silent and take our seats as we listen to the queer poetry from the cheap seats. This is Joy 94.9. When my girl touches me, the way my girl touches me, I like it. I tell her, baby, I like that. (laughs) And I like, like more, please. (laughs) Like, like, what's that? Her smile and a question. So I untangle myself from herself and I explain to her as it was explained to me by my teenage son, which means this is a fact. There are two kinds of like. There is like, and there is like-like. Like is, I like you. Like-like is, yeah. I like you. My son is explaining the phenomenon of like to me because he like likes this girl at school. He tells me how pretty she is, how they sat together at lunch and had a conversation. She is so smart, Mom. She's so nice. I like like her. <laughs> My heart swells and crashes, partly because he is more like me than I imagined, mostly because he is more like me than he knows because I, too, am a sucker for a pretty smart, nice girl who eats food (laughs) and has conversations. But I also sweep up the shards of my heart every time a girl breaks it. My son will have his heart broken a lot. He is just like his mother. And I want to warn him. I want to explain what the hopeless and hopeless romantic really means, but I really don't believe it. I mean, I refuse to believe that romance in love or like-like is hopeless, but I love the way his face breaks open when he talks about sharing ideas with this girl that he like-likes. I mean, he wants to give her art. And I don't care that he uses all of my supplies. He wants to give her art, and he plus art is his heart, and she will break it. And when it happens, we will color on the couch, commiserate, eat comfort food. I will have ice cream. 
He will eat those Cheetos that bear no resemblance to any color on a wheel, but we will hold each other up the way he helped me up when heartbreak just looked like, why is my mom so sad? And when he comes home from school, tells me that this girl refused his gift, he will call himself stupid. He will call his hard work, his consideration, his art junk. He will ask me if there was some way he could have known that she didn't like like him the way he liked liked her. So I will ask if I can have his heart, his art. Remind him that I like like him the way he is just fine. But I wonder, will this jade him? And before I can get too lost in that thought, he tells me about the girl who's this next woman science. She is so pretty, Mom. <laughs> I like her. Not like, like, just like. And I think, oh, my boy. You are going to like, like her soon. You are so full of hope. So after my story, my girl, she tells me that she like, likes me. I know. She's going to break my heart. But I am so full of hope. I'm just like my son. So I just smile back at her. I tell her, baby, I like like you too. And I'd like like more. Please. Thank you all so much for listening. That is Teresa Davis with her poem, Like Like. Joy 94.9. You are indeed on Joy 94.9 and this is The Cheap Seats. Tonight we are featuring queer poetry by queer poets. Next up we have Denise Froham with her poem, Dear Straight People. Dear Straight People, (laughs) who do you think you are? You have to make it so obvious that I make you uncomfortable. Why do I make you uncomfortable? Do you know that makes me uncomfortable? Now we both uncomfortable. (laughs) Dear straight people, you're the reason we stay in the closet. You're the reason we even have a closet. I don't like closets, but you made the living room an unshared space, and I'm feeling like a guest in my own house. Dear straight people, sexuality and gender, two different things combined in many different ways if you mismatch your socks you understand dear hip-hop why are you fascinated with discovering gay rappers gay people rap just like gay people ride bikes and eat tofu dear straight people i don't think god is a sexual orientation but if she were straight she'd be a dope ally why else would she invent rainbows dear straight women i mean straight women Dear straight men, if I'm flirting with you, it's because I think it's funny. Just laugh. Dear straight people, I'm tired of proving that my love is authentic, so I'm calling for reparations on your ass. When did you realize you were straight? Who taught you? Did it happen because your parents are divorced? Did it happen because your parents are not divorced? Did it happen because you sniffed too much glue in fifth grade? Dear straight people, why do I have to prove my love is authentic? Why do I have to prove my love is authentic? Why do I have to prove my love is authentic? Why do you have to stare at me when I'm holding my girlfriend's hand like I'm about to rob you? Dear straight people, you make me want to fucking rob you. Dear straight allies, thank you. More please. Dear straight bullies, you're right. We don't have the same values. You kill everything that's different. I preserve it. Tell me what happened to Jose Mercado, Sakia Gunn, Lawrence King. What happened to the souls alienated in between too many high school walls who plan the angles of their deaths in math class who imagine their funerals as ticker tape parades who thought the afterlife was more like an after party. Did you notice that hate is alive in well in too many lunchrooms taught in the silence of too many teachers passed down like secondhand clothing from too many parents? Mm. Dear queer young girl, 
I see you. You don't want them to see you, so you change the pronouns in your love poems to him instead of her. I used to do that. Dear straight people, you make young poets make bad edits. Dear straight people, kissing my girlfriend in public without looking to see who's around is a luxury I do not fully have yet. But tonight, I am drunk in my freedom. Wrap her hand on the busiest street corner in Philadelphia. Zip my fingers into hers and press our lips firmly until we melt their stares into a standing ovation. Imagine that we are in a sea of smiling faces even when we're not. And when we're not, we start shoveling, digging deep into each other's eyes. We say, hey, baby, can't nothing stop this tonight because tonight this world is broken and we're the only thing that's going to keep it together. And that was uh, Denise Froham with Dear Straight People. Great shows, great topics, great radio. Joy 94.9. You are listening to The Cheap Seats on Joy 94.9 and we're listening this evening to Queer Poetry, brought to us by Button Poetry. Next up, we have Lauren Zaniga. Uh, Lauren's piece is called Confessions of an Uneducated Queer. Let's take our seats and listen to the poetry from The Cheap Seats. You're on Joy 94.9. This is something that's not, I feel like it's not a poem, but it's something I've been needing to say for a while. And um, it's called Confessions of an Uneducated Queer. corrected me and that it's pronounced <laughs> The only reason I've ever tried to read either of them is because my friends went to college and they left their books at my house. As a teenager, I sensed that sexuality was a spectrum I didn't have all the words for. In my 20s, I sensed that maybe I was a whore for being attracted to so many points on the spectrum for years. I operated under three beliefs gifted to me by lovers. One, I don't get to be gay. Two, there is no such thing as bisexual. Three, I am the straightest woman on the planet, apparently. But it might be true. I have never actually listened to an entire Tegan and Sarah song. I've only seen one season of The L Word. I first learned the term binding from an Andrea Gibson workshop on gender where Rachel talked about the difficulty of binding double deep breaths. Rachel later transitioned to Ray and dated my sister in the initial stages. My sister and I stumbled all over the pronouns and terms. We weren't sure if Ray was a transsexual girl or a transgender boy until my friend Dane Cutler sat us down in an ice cream shop in Seattle and said, it's time for Trans 101. That class me $4.50 and a half hour of my friend's patience. The first time I heard the term cisgender was when my friend Sam Sachs and his boyfriend escorted me and my girlfriend to the most famous lesbian bar in San Francisco and then said, wow, they don't usually let cis dudes hang out in there that long. I was nervous to ask what that meant, but when Sam told me that he identified with the gender assigned to him at birth, I felt a wave of relief wash over me in the acknowledgement of my own privilege. $12 in whiskey 
sodas and a love, loving bearded smirk, which led me to learn the term passing privilege. When I was dating a girl I worked with at the state capitol and I was afraid to tell my coworkers about her, afraid to kiss her with her short hair and her fancy suit, and my friend Denise Jolly sat me down and said, Lauren, it is not fair for you to let her take all the shit. Getting to conveniently be straight doesn't help anyone. Three dollars in cheesy grits and my friend unapologetically telling me about myself. Everything I know about being a good queer, I learned from poets. Poets are cheaper than college. But not... <laughs> That was Lauren Zaniga with Confessions of an Uneducated Queer. Next up, we have Ethan Smith with A Letter to the Girl I Used to Be. This is The Cheap Seats. You're enjoy 94.9. A Letter to the Girl I Used to Be. Dear Emily, 
Every time I watch baseball, a voice I no longer recognize whispers, Ethan, do you remember? When you were going to be the first girl to play in the major league Seattle Mariners rally cap. But to be honest, Emily, I don't. Dad told me that like it was someone else's bedtime story. But I do know you had that drive. Didn't let anyone tell you to wear shorts above your knees. Didn't care if boys thought your hair fell on your shoulders just right, but with girls. Sleepovers meant the space between your shoulder and hers was a six-inch fatal territory. The year you turned 11 was the first time you said out loud that you didn't want to live anymore. In therapy, you said you wouldn't make it to 21. On my 21st birthday, I thought about you. You were right. At 19, you started to fade. I tried to cross you out like a line in my memoir I wished I could erase completely. And maybe I'm misunderstanding the definition of death, but even though parts of you still exist, you are not here. Most of my friends have never heard your name until now. I've been trying to write this letter for six months. I still can't decide if it should be an apology or not. But now you will never hear Emily Smith announced at a college graduation. Get married. Give birth. When the prescribed testosterone started taking effect, my body stopped producing the potential for new life every month. I thought about your children, how I wanted them too. Now I, made a do- I let a doctor remove your breasts so that I could stand up straighter. Now even if, if I somehow had those children, I wouldn't be able to nourish them. My body is obsolete, scarred cosmetic, but never C-section. I was four days late, there will never be grandparents. I was one week late, they will never hold their lover's sleeping figure. I was 11 days late, they will never breathe in a sunset and a sunrise in the same night. I was two weeks late, they will never learn to jump rope. I was three weeks late, they will never shout, watch, mommy, watch me on the slide. I was two months late. A piece of us will never wrap their arms around our leg for comfort, just to keep them from falling down. And I am sorry that this process is so slow, and all you can do is wonder if you ever had a place. You did. You still do. Don't forget that. Yours, Ethan. P.S. I never hated you. And that was Ethan Smith with a very moving poem, A Letter to the Girl I Used to Be. We'll be back with more queer poetry after these messages and a song by Kate Bush on Joy 94.9. Uplifting. Informing. Empowering. Joy 94.9. If you've just joined us, you're on the cheap seats on Joy 94.9. My name's Dean. This is the show where we get you front row seats to LGBTIQ spoken word events from Australia and from around the world. This is our chance to get you access to performances that you might not otherwise get a chance to enjoy and to hear voices and perspectives that you might not otherwise hear. Our next piece is by artist Ollie Shiminki and their poem called Boobs. You're on the cheap seats on Joy 94.9. The first time I ever touched someone else's breasts, it was the seven wonders of the sexual world, the great pyramid of, God, this shit is awesome. Sometimes people ask me when I knew I was queer. I'm pretty sure I knew before I touched the boob, but after the boob. Oh, oh after the boob. Everything was made clear to me. One boob, two boob, big boob, small boob, to hold them in my hands or mouth, to feel them pressed against my chest. I am a certified boob enthusiast. 
I love the back arch, the small sigh. Touching these bodies almost makes me believe in God because I don't trust nature to create anything this good. But I also know that most gods punish more than they forgive. And my own body feels more like a guillotine than a gift. Sometimes people ask me when I knew I was transgender. They ask me if I feel like I was born in the wrong body. As if gender is that simple. As if my body is a pair of handcuffs chaining me to housewife, to mother, to woman. I am not trapped in my body. I am trapped in other people's perceptions of my body. My body, my body is something I can only love from afar. A mistress I can only caress in secret. It is death by way of choking. I have no air to even call for help. I tell myself the top surgery is expensive, it's dangerous. The back aches from binding aren't really all that bad. Besides, I love boobs on other people. Why can't I just love my own? But when I tell people my name, they still use the wrong one. I say, not girl, and they give me back woman, lady, she. I say, not woman, they say, silly girl. It is not up to you to decide. And I don't want to hate my body for this. My body is not wrong. The way people talk about my body is wrong. But my body is the only thing I can change. My best friend asks me why I want top surgery, a voluntary double mastectomy. He asks me why I would want to cut off a perfectly healthy body part. I tell him it is not healthy to feel unsafe in my body. This chest feels like a misplaced sex organ. If you had a penis growing from your elbow, you'd probably want to cut it off. People would come up to you and talk to you about your elbow penis. They would never let you be anything more than your body. I and more than my body but these days I can only love my chest like a good cry when my friend calls me a burial ground my life becomes a constant funeral and there's no way that I can be happy with all of these ghosts living inside me so stop calling me diseased stop looking at my body and chaining me to whoever you think it makes me I was not born into the wrong body I was born into a world that doesn't know what my body means And that was Ollie Shiminki with their poem called Boobs. We're featuring queer poetry this evening from Button Poetry in the United States. We'll be back with more right after this. Joy 94.9. You are listening to The Cheap Seats on Joy 94.9 and tonight we are featuring queer poetry. Our next poem is about misgendering. This is Stacey Waite with Newark International Airport. You're on The Cheap Seats on Joy 94.9. On the occasion of being mistaken for a man by security personnel at the Newark International Airport. It's like being born again. These metal detectors are like traveling through the womb. The buzz goes off to indicate the birth of trouble. And the gender of trouble matters because when a woman goes through, Jimmy yells, female search, and a large woman appears from behind her security table. So when I walk through and my wallet chain sets off the womb alert, I wait. I wait for female search like I wait for the bus, that hopeful and expecting look. But Jimmy takes me himself. 
Jimmy slides his hands down the length of my thighs. He pats his palms stiffly against my crotch. He asks me to remove my boots and jacket, and so I do. And at first, the woman in me goes unnoticed. But when I hold my arms straight out and he traces the outline of my underarms, he makes that face. The face I've seen before. The holy shit, it's a woman face. The pretend you don't notice the tits face. Jimmy's hands change from a tender sweep to a kind of wiping, like he's trying to rid my body of the afterbirth. He is preparing to peel off the skin of my body as he would the apple he brings to work for break time. Jimmy stares hard at the metal detector with a kind of respect, like the arc of it became holy, transformed me on my walk through. Jimmy is nervous for the following reasons. He has just felt the crotch and chest of a woman who he thought was a man. He cannot decide which way he liked her best. His supervisor might notice he has not yelled female search, which he knows is grounds for some sort of lawsuit. You know what? He's angry. He's angry, so when he's patting her down now, he does it with force. He wants her to feel he is stronger than she is. He wants the metal detector to stop being a gender change machine from which this woman, who is also me, emerges, unties her boots slowly, follows all his directions. And when Jimmy is done, he nods. He wants me to keep him secret, to pretend neither of us had ever been born. And that was Stacey Waite with Newark International Airport. The world's most uplifting radio station, Joy 94.9. You are listening to The Cheap Seats on Joy 94.9. Tonight we are featuring the work of queer poets performing queer slam poetry. Before the break, we heard Stacey Waite with a story of misgendering. Here's another one from Stacey. This is called The Kind of Man I Am at the DMV. You're on The Cheap Seats on Joy 94.9. Mommy? Mommy! That man is a girl, says the little boy, his finger targeting the center of my back like a narrow spotlight. His kid hand learning to assert what he sees. His kid hand learning the failure of gender's tidy little story about itself. I try not to look at him because, yes, that man is a girl. I, man, am a girl. I am the kind of man who is a girl. And because the kind of man I am is patient with children, I try not to hear the meanness in his voice, his boy voice that sounds like a girl voice because his boy voice is young and pitched high like the tent in his pants will be years later because he will grow to be the kind of man who is a man. Or so his mother thinks. His mother snatches his finger from the air. Of course he's not, she says to her boy, pulling him back to her seat. What number does it say we are, she says, bringing his attention back to numbers, to counting, and its solid sense. But he has The boy complains, now sounding desperate, like he's been the boy who cried wolf, like he's been the hub of disbelief before, and this time he knows he is oh so right. The kind of man I am is a girl. 
kind of man I am is push-ups on the basement floor, is chest bound tight against himself, is thick gripping hands to the wheel when the kind of man I am drives away from the boy who will become a boy, except for now, while he's still a girl voice, a girl face, a hairless arm, a powerless hand. That boy is a girl. This man, who is a girl, thinks to himself as he pulls out of the lot, his girl eyes shining in the Midwest sun. And that was Stacey Waite with her poem, The Kind of Man I Am at the DMV. You're in the cheap seats when we're featuring queer poets performing queer slam poetry from Button Poetry in the United States. Our final poet for the evening is Wyatt Fleckenstein and their poem called Labels. This is the cheap seat. You're in Joy 94.9. The first time I came out to my mother, all I needed to tell her was that I'm not straight. Straight is a word she understands, and not straight is just something other than that. My relationship with my mother is more important to me than any label, so I couldn't risk confusing her. This just isn't a conversation small towns know the words for. My mother was the first female pastor in Mauston, Wisconsin. Every Sunday, she preaches to a church of less than 200. In this town, queer is still an excuse. To forget my order at the Daily Grind Cafe and charge me extra when they finally get it right. To not want my mother to baptize their children because clearly she did something wrong with me. To them, queer is not a word reclaimed, not worthy of pride. I am not safe being myself here. I came out to my mother a year after I realized I could never be happy in this town. I was so afraid for her to see I was choosing honesty over safety. I am still afraid she thinks I made the wrong choice. She tells me she dreams my death every night. Tells me, wear a dress to church, don't talk about my girlfriend, just pretend like I belong here. But I can't do those things. Even if I cover my tattoos and don't speak up in public, I can't hide who I am. She is trying to learn what queer means. I tell her for me, it's mostly about the people I'm attracted to, but it's a complicated identity. I say, don't assume it's the same for everyone. My mother has accepted that she won't always get it right, but she's still trying. She no longer uses gendered pronouns for God, even in her sermons. She bought me men's dress shirts for my job interviews. She gave me a Bible that uses human instead of man. She asked me to teach her how to tie a bow tie. My mother might always flinch when I use the word queer, but I know it's not because of me. To her, that word is less my identity and more target, more reason to lock the doors at night, more praying I come home from work alive. So if it's easier for her to think of me as just not straight, then fine. She thinks I'll be safer if we don't use that word, and I can't bring myself to tell her she's wrong. I don't blame her for wanting to be a little less afraid. My mother is gossip at quilting circles, midnight hospital visits, Bible studies at the Christian cafe, small town religion. As much as I may want her to, she cannot change that. She cannot leave this place, even though she knows it's not safe for me here. But... In the only email I ever saved from her, she tells me, I will love you however you need me to love you. And I believe her, even though neither of us knows what that looks like yet.
And that was Wyatt Fleckenstein with their poem called Labels. And that brings us to the end of our show. You've been listening to The Cheap Seats on Joy 94.9. If you liked what you heard, you can check out the podcast from this show. Visit our website, joy.org.au forward slash cheap seats. I'm Dean. Join me next week and I'll save you a seat right here next to me in The Cheap Seats. Thanks for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.